No, I mean, I've dated Nazis, criminals. <laughs> I've dated them all, baby. My name's Monish, and I'm your main host. Welcome to Real Talk. Welcome to season two. Love is like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube behind your back while skateboarding naked out of the water. It's hard, it's complicated, and a lot of relationships don't last. But of course, on this episode, we're going to be talking about love um, and cue in the mandatory saxophone. Buddy, stop. Stop playing the sax. We're good. Dude, please. Anyway, from the 1980s, having 40% of marriages ending in divorce to early 2000s, showing that 30% end up splitting apart, sticking the landing in a relationship is tough. People rarely stay together. I'm 21, meaning that I'm required by state to tell you that I have no idea what I'm talking about, but we try our best to uncover what it takes for a relationship and for love to really last. On this episode, we have the wonderful Cam Poder, who is the uh, host and producer of the podcast. Sex Talk with my mom. It's a wild episode. Here's episode 16, season two. So I think at first I was looking for someone who's very similar to me. Yeah, um, yeah. And now it's just a fucking free-for-all. <laughs> seriously, I'm I, open to I'll anything. I'll take anything, please. <laughs> I would say, no, I mean... I've dated Nazis, criminals. <laughs> I've dated them all, baby. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think the physical attraction needs to be there. also, yeah. But also the uh, personal, like, emotional, uh, spiritual attraction really... I mean, it, it also depends if I'm looking for, like, a casual thing or if I'm looking for a longer thing. Yeah. And for yeah. the longer thing, that 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 the humor, the personality, that's a... I mean, do I want to spend time with this person? Yeah. I, I don't yeah. like spending time with most people, so <laughs> it, it's challenging to... Cam hates spending time with us right now. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Cam, when you, when you are looking for these dates or setting them up, setting them up are you typically like trying to set up a long-term thing or is it just more casual and you're not really thinking too much about it i i oh god I, I am trying to experiment with casual relationships because i i'm always searching for long-term things inevitably yeah. it which is what prevents me from being in long-term things and so i was like okay don't put the pressure on just just make it very try to make it very low stakes hook up a few times see where it goes <laughs> and then it, always if i do that i i end up getting very frustrated because i can see it not becoming a long-term thing okay yeah what, what's interesting about i think the first thing is how you went from you went from initially i had preferences and then later just became a fucking free-for-all <laughs> a shit show if you will right and what's interesting about that is that uh if you go through like the meta analysis of like thousands and thousands of, of people who like through marriages and see like which marriages last and which relationships last, 
similarity is actually not that important for marriage satisfaction, right? So a lot of people, uh, from what I understand, you, you, you know this, like you've anecdotally, you know this, like people generally marry people who are close to who they are, like say, similar IQs, uh, same personality, same neuroticism. Same, same penis size. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, no, like me and Kevin were dating for three months and like we had the same penis size. Yeah, like, very small. <laughs> I was the first, very minuscule. <laughs> on, the, on the first date, we, I was like, Kevin, can you please take out our ruler? And he's like, I already got one, brother. And he just like, <laughs> he's sort of measuring day one. No, no, and Kevin has seen me in action with my relationship. Not in action, like right. action, but like you know, just you know, just just being around my girlfriend, right? Uh, and Kevin, what are your thoughts on our personalities? Oh, you guys, you guys have very, very different personalities. Monish is obviously <clears throat> very talkative, uh, outgoing, annoying, and loud. And Justine, <laughs> Justine, more reserved, uh, comes off as being introverted, but you know, they're they're weirdly compatible. I would say even though their personalities are very different. And what's interesting is that uh, when I initially met her, that was, uh, that was one of my thoughts. I was like, wow, we are, like, I, I love hanging out with her. I love being with her. Uh, but that, it, it's so, it's so, like, we're so different. Like, because, because, like, it's like when I, when I was, like, looking for a girl, I was like, okay, so I have these checklists of, she's, she's got to be Indian, she's got to have black hair, her parents have to love podcasting. Don't love It's <laughs> <laughs> the most important criteria. <laughs> Yeah, no. And like it was, you know, it, it's funny how these weird preferences can sometimes get in the way of like, oh, well, we're so different. We're so different. We're so different. And then it gets in the way of the relationship in the first place or even starting that relationship. I imagine that this has got to be like a spectrum, though. Like there, I mean, it sounds like you might have a lot of differences with your girlfriend, but there's got to be some similarities in terms of values or humor or something right obviously i think one of them is one of them you can't get around is if your girlfriend doesn't like your sense of humor that's like that then you're fucked yeah. <laughs> it's the only value i've got no it, like it, i mean justine when i talk to her she practically laughs at everything i, I, I say sometimes i just make up words and no she doesn't she just rolls her eyes <laughs> every time what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> She's Monish just hears laughter wherever he goes. <laughs> People are like cursing at him. He, he hears laughs. I actually have headphones in that just like a laugh track at all t- <laughs> over again to like reinforce my confidence. Uh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> I, I think one is, so Cam, you talked about one of the big similarities, right? You're like, yeah, I get that. You know, you don't have to be similar, right? But one of the big similarities that makes a lot of sense and that actually is incredibly important is having similar emotional styles, right? So having the similarities that matter is sort of your meta feelings. Like how do you feel about your feelings? Like mm. you want someone that handles emotions the same way you do, right? Totally. In, a lot, in, a lot of, in a lot of instances, me and my girlfriend, we, we go about conflict in a pretty solid way, but there, there will be times when I'll see our emotional styles differ a little bit, which is when if I get extremely, extremely frustrated, and I've told Kevin about this because every time I do it, I hate myself. Uh, it's, it's, it's when I get extremely frustrated to the point where I leave the room. Like I'm like, I just physically cannot be in this room. I need to like leave. I just go up a mountain and meditate. And, uh, go up a mountain? <laughs> where are you finding yeah. these mountains? It's the middle of Illinois. There's tons of mountain ranges. <laughs> Cameron, have, not been, have you not been to Illinois? There's like eight mountain ranges with <laughs> seven yogis all. Uh, no, uh, yeah. And, and that's sort of one of the things that I do, right? But dealing with emotions, dealing with conflict, that's a similarity you should have. Me, me and uh, 
my ex-girlfriend, <clears throat> one of the one of the things that I attribute to the deterioration of our relationship was that um, we both handled conflict very differently mm-hmm. um, emotionally. I, I'm I'm the type of person that wants to troubleshoot immediately and talk about the problems, um, but she was more. She she would get. She she would. I guess elicit a, a strong emotional response to whatever conflict was going on and then want to distance herself and think about it instead of addressing it right away. And because of that, there was a constant arguing over her wanting to leave and think about the problem and me just saying things like, like, no, I want to talk about it right now. Like we need to fix, we need to fix this. And we could never really come to a compromise in how to deal with our emotions. And because of that, I started just really tr- avoiding conflict. Um, any, any time a problem popped up in our relationship or something upset me, it was, it would stress me out massively just deciding whether or not I wanted to talk about it or sweep it under the rug. Mm. And ultimately I did that way too much. I, I, I let problems go and didn't talk to them because I knew that when we did our, our, I guess, uh, our, the way that we handled the emotions and the way that, that we handled confrontation was very different and we could just never really solve the problems that would come up letting them fester and grow and then they would explode again at a later time and the argument would be 20 times bigger than it would have been if we would have addressed it in a healthy way but we could just never really figure that out this reminds me of a weird like a quote it's like basically the the longer the market goes without a correction the bigger that correction is going to be right yeah if you don't address the small things that make you angry, the feelings, if you don't actually are not open about them and just kind of keep it up and then it's going to be super volatile, right? Like in a weird way, arguing, talking about the shit that bothers you is actually uh, kind of a good thing, right? Because of course, because the couples, I mean, they've shown this in studies, but the couples that are more likely to get divorced are the couples that only argue about the serious shit, right? They're like, I want Tommy. And it's like, no, Tommy's my son. Like those, those are the, that's where the divorce rates come in. Right. But like, if you're having conversations about things like, you know, and you're going about it in like an, obviously an open and, uh, you know, way that sort of addresses both parties. Totally. Um, right. I, and I don't even think it necessarily needs to come in the form of like yelling and screaming at each other. No, no, not but, at all. Uh, yeah, no, it's so not that. Yeah. But that open communication that often t- manifests in yelling and screaming is what's positive, even if it comes out in a negative way. How do you go about conflict, Cam? Oh, I'm I I actually think I'm uh very direct. I'm I'm a I tend to be a very <laughs> tense and anxious person. Yeah. So yeah. if a feeling is manifesting itself, uh so strongly in me it kind of just has to come out mm-hmm. yeah. I, and so here's what i'll say over the i've i've been in therapy now for like a couple of years now and since starting therapy this has been the biggest thing we've worked on Ex- my therapist calls it expanding the emotional context and, ba- and, and f- at first it started with you know expanding the emotional context in the sense that i wanted i needed to tell uh this girl that i wanted to kiss her because i was too scared to say that it, it, and mm-hmm. then I needed to come clean with it. And then I started doing that. And then I, and then it moved into my relationships with my siblings. And if I had a strong feeling of my, someone was irritating the fuck out of me because they wouldn't let me keep the, I don't know, that I, I would have to explain, hey, this is irritating the fuck out of me when you do this. And then, so before, it took me a long time to like, I, I would feel like real upset or hurt. And it would take a couple days or, or maybe a long time to, 
to really get the right wording and confidence to say something. And I'm trying to shorten that time frame as much as possible. I, I have a I have a very similar way of I guess expressing my problems with things where I I it's like it manifests itself in that anxiety where you want to say it so fucking bad but you are just afraid of the conflict. Yes. So I I put it off. And Monish has seen this with ton various aspects of my life where I just hesitate too much to say something yeah. and then the problem the problem becomes bigger. But at the same time, like saying something right away um, is. From my understanding, you know, being honest about your emotions towards something and uh, being emotionally vulnerable and and talking about it seems like the best thing to do. But that also requires a mutual understanding from the other party, which oftentimes yeah. you can't control that. Here, here's what I'll add. I, I, so that's that is the biggest concern and what prevented me from being so open at first and why it took so long. I was scared of how the other person will, will react. Right. So what I needed to build was the confidence in knowing that my feelings are valid as well. I'm also a party in this mm-hmm. in this relationship. And so if they're going to respond negatively to what I'm going to tell them, that's their choice. If they're not mm-hmm. going to be open, they're going to be reactive. That's their choice. That's okay. And this is a lot easier said than done, but that that was that's been like a huge project I've been working on. My my problem was that I it's like when I was in the relationship. Now I can look back and and say the same thing like, you know, I, I should have just said the things that I wanted to say and recognize that my feelings are valid and, and so are hers and um, let her deal with the conflict however she chooses. And if it if it ended up that she could never come to that mutual understanding, then, you know, maybe we just weren't supposed to be together, be, be together. But instead, I, I constantly thought I could control it and like get her to understand that she needed to um I guess, address the conflict in the same way that I was. But that's something that has to come intrinsically. And I tried to like really explain that to her, but it just made her more angry. You, you know, the, the, the great thing that you kind of stressed was that it, it wasn't like, again, when we talk about meta feelings, meta emotional styles, it, we're not saying meta logic. Like we're, we're, especially as guys, we're like, we just want yeah. to force our logical framework onto people be like, no, you don't understand reason. And then you know, let me, let me show you reason. And like, it, it, it's really when two people are in conflict, right? A lot of it is emotions, right? Actually, I would say like most of it is dealing with emotions and trying to get both parties to come to some kind of like agreement or some kind of resolution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Cam, when you were growing up, the myth like about love, how how did you how did you see it? Was it like hmm. true love, uh, like like? What what do you think about love? Like what's what comes to mind? What do you? So this is actually I, I love that I love that this is the topic <laughs> we're discussing because I'm I regularly read about this because it's something that I um, am very intrigued by and I I think kind of gives purpose to life. I I, I really believe that the, the only thing that really matters is like the relationships that you have with other people and right. so leaves in love. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. It, the question for me has always been, is love a choice? Can you choose to love something and grow love, or is it something that just innately happens? And I think growing up, I kind of assumed, as most society does, that it is something that just occurs between two people. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm now getting to a point where I think there's it's kind of a balance, where there's there are certain people that you can connect with much easier than other people, but yeah. really, it is a choice to invest 
the time and energy and thoughtfulness to to grow that love. And and to be fr- to be quite frank, I I haven't experienced romantic love uh, that I hear exists. But yeah. I, <laughs> I hear it in every pop song that's come on in the last twenty years. Yeah, but, I, yeah. they keep singing about this thing. I I don't know what yeah. it is yet. Uh, Cam, I would say it's a combination of both of those things, though. I would say like nobody chooses to fall into this romantic love. It's not like you're consciously saying, "Well, I'm going to feel this way about this," or "I'm going to work to fall in love." Like when you when you have that chemistry and connection with another person emotionally, it does just kind of happen. Hmm. But what is what is the choice? I feel is. Uh, the maintenance of their relationship over time. Yeah, it's weird. There's this myth of of true love where it like burns brightly forever, kind of. And you'll see this in Hollywood. You will especially see this in Bollywood. This is where, <laughs> they, I, I mean, every movie is basically the hero just just completely. Like he's not part of a police force, but he like basically uh, destroys every villain, <laughs> and and then he falls in love, and then happily ever after, right? Um, and if you if you you know, there's so many girls who like will uh, repost like, I want to have a love like the Little Mermaid, Ariel, like oh my, she, they, like, <laughs> there's this unconscious script of like Disney princesses and falling in love and, and right. But what's funny, this is a very sobering thought, is that the the sort of true love burning brightly forever that is actually biologically impossible right Mm. Uh, because if you think of passionate love like a drug uh, drugs wear off right Uh, I mean the more you take a drug uh, the more you need to sustain it and it wears off eventually right like so passionate love literally is giving you dopamine and the symptoms of love uh, overlap with both cocaine and heroin which (laughs) you you take heroin every day right Uh, Kevin of course yeah okay cool (laughs) (laughs) No, and uh, what's interesting is that, like, you know, if you want to retain the potency of cocaine, you can take it once a month, right? Uh, but if, you, if you're in, like, a passionate love relationship where you're, like, constantly, you're, you're taking this love drug, right? It wears off, right? And a lot of people after six months are like, man, I don't feel the fire that I, uh, that I felt, like, you know, five months ago. And they make, I think this is the big mistake that a lot of people make because it's a danger point in every relationship is that where after six months or however long, passionate love fades. And it's actually inversely correlated with companion love, where it's kind of like, oh, she's my best friend. She's my partner. She's who I want to just, you know, kind of be around with. Whereas passionate love is just this fire that burns within you and and sparks up, right? But I I wouldn't say it's the reason to break up because it happens almost uniformly across all. But also I will say, so... My that that whole passionate love phase for me, I mean, I can't give you an exact timeline, but I would say it lasted around a year and a half, maybe Um, to where where after that I started to to kind of distance myself from looking at the world through the through the lens of this passionate love. And I became able to be a little bit more logical. And, uh, you know, I I just the the fire was was burning out, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I still wanted to be with her. Oftentimes, like in psychology, that's the thing that you should be striving for, right? Like maintaining that companionate love in a relationship after time is is like the good thing that you're supposed to strive for. But also, when you're 20 years old or whatever, is it worth the effort? Because it takes a lot of fucking effort. This is if, what if I, This is it. This is yeah. it. No one tells you this. This is what everyone says. Oh, you gotta find. You, the goal is to have love. But no, the goal is not to always have love. That's garbage. Some, <laughs> some, 
when you're when you're 20 years old, you don't want to find the love of your life. It's going to you want all these different experiences. You don't need that love right now. I mean, I, hopefully I feel like you're gonna everybody. Live, I'm sorry, Cam. Go ahead. I, hopefully you're going to live until 90. And that means that you're going to hit you're going to have that companion, just that one companion type of love for a very long time. Whereas this passionate love is good. to. I think that's good as well. And it, it shouldn't right. be uh, like um, it shouldn't be. Uh, disval- discounted, I guess. Right, right. We're we're just fed the cultural narrative that we're supposed to find the love of our life, and like uh, yeah. that's this that's like the ultimate thing. And and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, that's like a truly like beautiful thing to find that. But when you're 20 years old, when you're 25 <laughs> years old, you're so young. You yeah. most 20 year olds. I just feel like most people will probably underestimate. I mean, I know I sure as fuck did. Yeah, will completely underestimate the work that it takes to maintain a relationship once you reach that companionate love phase. Once once you're not getting this like intense emotional gratification from the relationship and like every fucking second you spend together feels like a drug, like you said, Monish, once you you move past that phase, the reality of how fucking hard it is it is to make a relationship last hits you. And then it's like shit, I'm twenty years old. Is it really even worth it? Kevin, I I wanted to sort of talk off this point you're saying, but uh, you talked to like I was reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, who has a jawline <laughs> that can break diamonds. Reload, reload, recalibrate. No, uh, he's awesome. But one of the things that he that he he talks about is Hell Week for the Navy SEALs, right? And all the guys that were talking up, like, oh, you know, this, all the guys that were talking up in the first couple of weeks uh, for, like, you know, the Navy SEAL training, during Hell Week, they drop out, right? And what he re- what he talks about is that there's guys that, you know, there's, like, you know, Olympians, uh, you know, there's actual, like, athletes who are in the Navy SEALs, and those guys who are potentially even more athletically skilled than, say, you know, the other Navy SEALs, those guys sometimes drop off, right? And the, the thing that he makes is that it wasn't, Hell Week wasn't about, at least for the Navy SEALs, Hell Week was not about athleticism, right? Because all the athletic feats have been tested. You've been, you're in Hell Week for Navy SEALs. You have the athleticism to be in the Navy SEALs, right? If you've got to that point, you're good to go. It's all really about grit and and sort of being mentally tough and dealing with shit, right? And that's that's the thing. I mean, they've done some, t- lots of studies on sort of the uh, on the actual on grit itself, right? And they've seen that people who people who have grit in relationships, they're more likely they're more likely to deal with problems. They're more likely to not just be like oh, there's a couple problems. I'm just going to not fix it. They're going to actually go out of their way to work hard, work at the problems to try to solve them. Right. Can Can I circle back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier? I feel yeah. unsatisfied. <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes down to the question of when is the right time for love? And so I think that's, I think that's a very important yeah. uh, note that's often overlooked. Because that's kind of what I was get, getting all hyped about. I... I think going through college and early 20s and even now, I was just looking for love frantically. Yeah. And, which yeah. is in as a result, I uh, I kind of put away all the different types of relationships you can have like that, that really steamy, passionate uh, shit, because I was like, oh, they're not going to be good companions in the future. So it, that's the question. 
for, and Monish, for you, I'm interested because is this and this might be something you want to edit out. That, uh, <laughs> so uh, does it freak you out that you're getting in this really intense relationship? That uh, or or is this someone that you're experiencing more passionate or companion? What what is what's the going on here? Sometimes I'll look at my girlfriend and I'm like, holy shit, I have a girlfriend. It's so because because. <laughs> Part of me, part of, part of me, part of me, part of me feels like some part of me still feels like the same guy that was just had no idea what the fuck he was doing. It's weird. It's weird because I still feel like that same 17 year old guy. I just have like an actual companion by my side. And it does freak me out sometimes because what, what freaks me out is the fact that while a lo- like when you're in a relationship my best friend Justin said this but he's like when you're in a relationship and it's for a long term m- most of the time you're in that relationship because you think it will pan out for the long run mm-hmm. sure right but what I do know is that this relationship is giving me a lot of happiness uh, it's, it makes it's sort of what I want in this phase of my life mm. um, and and I think the question the question that you said was when is the right time to fall in love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, and it's re- it really depends on what you want at that stage of your life, right? Yeah. Like, Cam, if you want to go out, sleep with thirty different women, and uh, you're allowed, you can do that, right? Uh, if you if that's what you want, and uh, <laughs> and if you but if you want to like stay be in a one term relationship, uh, then you can do that as well, right? I think it really depends on what the individual wants right some people need some people need their 20s to like smoke as much weed as possible and just i'm in (laughs) i want to do that and be as sleazy as possible and just like meet new people have fun and that's totally legit that's totally valid and that's uh there's so many ways that you can view your life the two poles that i see myself constantly viewing it as is my life is everything everything that co- I I live once you live for ninety years and I need to make every fucking moment count. The other the other way to look at it is I am nothing. I'm the blip in the universe. I I am a shit and a like a little pot. I'm a shit. A shit stain on someone's pants in the prison somewhere in Alcatraz. That's what I am. In, in which case, my life means nothing. So you know. <laughs> And because I constantly have these two truths, those are two true perspectives that you can take for your life. You can you can have these different anxieties because they're conflicts in your mind. It's the conflict that I want I want to be experiencing love right now, like companionate, or I want to be with someone who I can experience companionate love in the long run. Otherwise, I'm I'm wasting my fucking time. And then this other perspective, which is like, yeah, I want I, I want to just have all these different experiences. Um, and then, and then there's another perspective, which is like, I, who gives a fuck? I, I, this is this is all meaningless. Why bother with the whole fucking relationships at all? So yeah. it's just that all of these are different, truthful ways of viewing relationships and your life. And that is because they are all true. There's no one right way to view it, and so that's kind of what is bouncing around against each other. When when you think about bipartisanship, this is uh, this is relating to your point. But there's Are you technic- talking about government right now. <laughs> with welfare, with welfare, there's two different truths, right? One truth is that people need food, right? People need welfare, right? That's one truth, right? And if they can't think without food, so 
some people actually legitimately need welfare, right? And the other truth, which is absolutely true because there's statistical data on this, is that some people uh, take advantage of welfare, right? These are two separate truths, right? Mm -hmm. And these are both true things. Two sides of a Republican or uh, Democratic Party take op opposing sides, right? Mm -hmm. Just because these are two truths doesn't mean that you can coalesce these truths into something that works, mm -hmm. right? Just because you're both a shit stain on someone's pants <laughs> while also, this is your life, Cam. Like, yeah. you're in between those two, right? D doesn't mean that they are, that you can, you can pick one side. It's not binary, right? It's... Right. There's, yeah. it's, I think it's constantly trying something out and, and seeing how it feels. Yeah. By the way, that was the, the weirdest. Com I don't know why the fuck that came to my mind. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, dude. I Cam, it seems that you're struggling with this a lot. Like this sort of like. Oh, this is this, this is the struggle. This <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. Jesus. <laughs> I have there, a podcast. There's struggles. There's struggles. Then there's the struggle. And this. Yeah. I have a podcast called Sex Talk with my mom. That is how much I'm struggling with this. That, that I'm, I'm willing to talk to my mother about sex and relationships to get anyone's advice. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is it. This is, yeah. Dude, we, we talked about how, like, Cam, you said that you think um, relationships with other people is re realistically the, the one thing that matters in life. And mm -hmm. I agree. Like, that's, that's what we're about. As human beings, is connecting with others in some way, shape, or form. It's so, of, of, about that essentially. Yeah, that's yeah. Of course, relationships. Just the idea of connecting romantically or whatever you want to call it with another person is going to cause this anxiety yes. because it, that's like the one thing that fucking matters. Yeah, I'm always so, thinking about this shit every single day, constantly. Yeah, constantly, and. I'm always rethinking. Should I be friends with Kevin? Should I not be? All the time. I'm right. My finger's always on the unfriend button. Can I add something? I have had an experience, something that I would have liked to know at your guys' age. That I that so when I first started therapy, you know, when you start, you get like the big boulders out of the way. You know, it's kind of like you're clearing a path. Yeah. So the big boulders. So I have I had not experienced romantic love, but I had experienced familial and friendship love platonic love cool mm -hmm. and that freaked me the fuck out because i'm like oh my god why why am i not experiencing this romantic love why why um you know i'm sexually aroused by women but i can't seem to connect in a very profound way with a woman that's not that is outside my family mm -hmm. and then i start thinking well it's so much easier for me to connect with my guy friends it, I'm able to really feel a strong. I, I really feel love for some of my guy friends, and then I was like, "Oh God, Jesus, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm gay? Does that <laughs> am I repressing this gayness?" And yeah. that was a huge thing. Learning that there are different types of love, that uh, there can that there is such thing as platonic love, that was a huge step for me, mm -hmm. and so that should not be uh, underestimated in this episode about what is love. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah no dude yeah i i agree um one of love is big right love like everyone's searching for it uh, over and over again though what's interesting is that love is never 
just enough right uh like you got that you know the john lennon song a uh, beatles song like all you need is love like that song and oh god that was horrible moments. <laughs> Never <do> that again. <laughs> i thought that was john lennon for a second <laughs> he actually just came back in the room he's still alive what the fuck <laughs> he's in my room right now john get the fuck out of my room <laughs> i keep him in my closet <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, that would be one of the biggest conspiracies of all time, by the way. Uh, John <laughs> has actually been hiding in Monisha's closet this entire time. No. Uh, and, and what's interesting is that, again, I think the big message here with making relationships last uh, and sort of dealing with all this love stuff uh, is that doing the work, solving the problems, going about these problems, trying to go at it from a two-party system where you're thinking about the other person you're thinking about yourself, and you're actually being open about the things that come up, right? Uh, that's that's huge, right? One of the crazy things about, <laughs> so everyone everyone has this huge like we gotta fall in love and arranged marriages, baby. So my mm. mom and dad are arranged. So Hell I'm, yes, yeah. <laughs> so li- literally, I'm pretty sure uh, my mom and and dad's parents were like. You know, oh, he's an engineer, and like, oh, she's a wonderful woman, and then boom, baby, arranged marriage. Like, <laughs> you know, and what's interesting is that in these relationships, people just think it's arranged, but they don't actually know about the specific details. The first month that my mom and dad were together, they're just together by themselves. They already they had this huge ceremony, and they were just it was they were just like, who the fuck is this guy in my, oh my, in, God. my in my house? And uh, What's 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 crazy about arranged marriages and love marriages, right? We're always going for love marriages, and it's interesting that love marriages have uh, usually a higher divorce rate, right? Uh, this can also be attributed to that there's a huge stigma around uh, divorces and arranged marriages. But keeping that aside, uh, some arranged marriages can be just as good, if not even more satisfying than love marriages because, and I'm not saying everyone get arranged. It's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying the underlying lesson is that, the underlying reason is that the arranged marriages, they go into the relationship knowing it's going to take work, knowing they're going to have to bust their goddamn balls off to make this shit work because basically I just got married to this girl and uh, I need need to figure out a way to make this relationship last. And they, they actually figure it out. They go about it and they figure it out. Okay, so if this, if we're relating this back to what we started the conversation with, which is the question of is love a choice, and we kind of landed in the idea that yes, you can, you have to choose to invest that effort into the relationship, but there also needs to be that initial chemistry and sure. and you know compatibility. What happens if that first part doesn't exist? That's the the fear with arranged marriages, right? What do you mean? The oh f- yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. The things that I'm sure. I'm sure part of it is like, part of it is like, yeah, dude, some, sometimes you get put together with someone who doesn't share the same meta emotional styles that you do, who don't feel the same way about feelings and it's a disaster. Or, or they don't have the, you know, just the chemistry, you know, like, yeah, it it just is just two strangers, just kind of like weird magnets that are the function function of an arranged marriage is completely different than a conventional relationship in the United States Mm. or most Western countries. Like the function of an arranged marriage is is 100 percent different. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, So I would say like 99 percent of the time in a relationship in like a Western like something, a cultural cultural Jesus, a culture similar to us you're always going to have that initial attraction phase because that's, I mean, that's what draws you together in the first place is that kind of 
unexplained connection and chemistry that you have through getting to know each other or whatever it is that ultimately ultimately leads to companionate love. Like only in an arranged marriage are you going to see a skip of whatever, uh, I guess, whatever initial love stages you need to go through and then go straight to companionship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is that uh, that's that's probably a perfect summation of what arranged marriages do, right? And it's crazy. I mean, I've seen my mom and dad, right? Uh, <laughs> a part of me even thinks that the way they go about conflict has become similar just because of the function of the marriage, right? So literally, they change the way they deal with conflict in a res- as a response to just being together for so long. This is more you grow together, you're saying. Oh, Cam, that was... Is that, is, that, oh is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> yeah. Um, Kevin, uh, chime in here. I think that the, the big thing with, uh, you know, keeping, making relationships last is sort of, you know, obviously doing the work, right? Working at it. You can't expect love to just solve all your problems because it's not. It's just not, right? Uh, in, in the same... In the same way that watching NBA basketball doesn't make you good at basketball, um, being in love doesn't make just suddenly fix all your problems, right? You still need to deal with them, be open about it, uh, mm. that discussion in the first place, and be open to, you know, even just talk about your feelings in a way that addresses both parties, right? And also part of it is is a weird balance, choosing your battles. Some things you got to accept, right, about the other person. It, in a weird way, it's crazy is that when you're in a long-term relationship, and Cam, I'm sure you've noticed this uh, at least a little bit, but you have these mental maps of how you go about the world, right? Like, and and you just, you don't think about these mental maps because you've grown up with them your entire life. And then suddenly you're living together with your girlfriend and you're like, or you're with your girlfriend all the time and you're like, oh, our mental maps are sort of uh, mm-hmm. in weird dissonance with each other, right? Like, like um, you know, my girlfriend loves to, as soon as she's done with her plate, she'll wash the dishes, right? And then when I'm, I love to just pile up the dishes and then do it all at once. Oh, you piece of shit. I don't want to live with you next year anymore. <laughs> you fucker. I'm going to have to clean all your shit for you all the time, Monish. Bad info to give me. I'm, I'm out on that, Lise. Yeah. I want Justine to be, to take your spot. So she always <laughs> cleans up after herself. Right. And, uh, yeah, no, in in or weird things about like leaving the toilet paper and, and just just or or you know thinking about social activities in different ways, and then some of it is you have to figure out a compromise, right? Understanding the concept of compromise is huge, right? Because this is this relationship isn't just you and it isn't just her. This relationship is an emergent system that's greater than both of you. Monish, I'm curious. I mean, you're saying all these things about relationships, and I don't mean to attack you by saying this. No, please do. How much? How much? Yeah, fuck you, Monish. <laughs> Goddamn dishes up. Yeah. How how much of this would you say is? I know a lot of this is research based, obviously, but how much have you had actually had to experience these things? Because you you are still in the, this this phase, this passionate love phase. It appears to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you guys have been together for like what a year, a little over, something like that. I don't fucking know. Whatever it is. Yeah. So, so um, essentially, I should. I think I should start off. I have it in the notes somewhere, but I think I should start off the podcast with that. This relationship has only been going on for a year, right? So it's not like we've been in this like thirty-year relationship, and I'm like on a cane, and I'm, right. I'm still relative. It's still relative. Like while to some people, like Cam, it's a long time. That right? is like, a long. It's yeah. never yeah. journey. Yeah. 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 
to you, I'm a fucking piece of shit that doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, right? <laughs> so again, part of it is perspective. Uh, no, because everything you're saying is 100% valid and correct, and I agree with you. I'm just curious how much you've actually had to navigate through these things because it, it just, ugh. Yeah. It's yeah. hard, dude. Yeah, it's dude. hard. No, no, no. So it was, what's crazy is that uh, a lot of so the, the companion love, the passion love, a lot of that was research-based and anecdotal. Right. So uh, and also, I mean, part of it is just being in a relationship for like more than a year. You feel these forces against you. Right. Uh, a, a lot of the actual, though, dealing with these relationship issues have come up, you know, uh, you know, as soon as we were dating, like as far as like the dishes and uh, dealing with conflict and and right. Uh, I, I guess which which point do you want me to talk about? What Which ones are? No, I'm, no, I'm just curious in general. Like, I'm just curious if you've had to if there's any salient stories or examples of a time where you had to work through one of these problems that you are actually giving advice about right now. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to so there there's it's weird because I don't know if you've noticed like we have gone through conflicts and I just can't one does it come Yeah, to, okay. No, I get it. Because yeah. what's interesting about at least our conflicts is that they're not these monumental disaster conflicts where like, uh, it's like everything goes to shit. There's screaming matches. We're, sure. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean... For, That's probably healthy that you don't remember all the conflicts <laughs> that you yes. entered. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that kind of comes back to the point that, again, research-based, uh, but uh, the point that the you, you can predict with 94% accuracy within three years whether or not a couple's going to last hmm. or divorce, uh, what, depending on how depending on how they talk about their romantic past, right? So if, <laughs> if they talk about their romantic past and they're like, you know, if they're like glorifying the struggle, like, yeah, like we had some hard times, but like we got through it because me and Chad, we're in love, like all that shit. Or, you know, they talk about it in that way. And then usually there's a good possibility that that couple's going to last. Um, mm. They're like, you know, man, our fight sucked. He sucked. He's the worst. He punched a puppy in the face. He got so mad. Like that, that's the that's the shit <laughs> that uh, you, know, you can you can figure Ooh. out. Sure. <laughs> what's, I guess what's the, your, the whole the whole your, point your cynicism your cynicism I think is confounded in the so this is for both of us your cynicism is confounded in the fact that you've had a relationship and it ended somewhat poorly um obviously but like uh most relationships end poorly and no I'm I, 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 I want to make a point I, I, I'm not being cynical I'm not being cynical I'm just I'm just curious um my bias is coming from the fact that I'm in love, so I'm sure. I have these rose tinted glasses that uh, that literally obscure lots of things and everything. You're blind, dude. You can't. I, I'm, shit. Li I'm literally blind, right? My my whole point of 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 prodding there is is just to really make it clear that logic and research tells you to do a lot of things, and you can do these things, but this is all emotional work. This is all emotional work that it's impossible to even really describe what it's like to navigate these things because it's so fucking, it's so emotional. Yes. It's so based in emo emotion, not logic. Relationships and connecting with other people is not about logic. Yeah. Because e even like, even this research, like you're telling us to do all the right things. You're, everything you're saying is valid, but just doing them themselves is, is so much more of a crazy experience because it's entirely based in your emotions. That's, but that, that's, that's the lesson is that if you want these relationships to last, right, Cam, Cam is actively improving himself by going to therapy, by meditating, right, by talking the shit out, by doing the things that he, ne he needs to improve and actually go, 
Uh, oh, I'm praying this gets me a girlfriend. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, no, uh, right. And, and by going out of his way, like, dude, you, you, your girlfriend could, like, I was talking about this when Kevin, when Kevin was uh, putting me, was grilling me like a goddamn salmon on a, a George Foreman grill. But like, I, I, dude, just being in, being in this love phase, having a partner, having a friend, even a friend, right? You're blind to a lot of their flaws. Like, your girlfriend could, like, light houses on fire. And you're like, <laughs> Oh, dude, no, dude, she's, uh, cool. she's cool, man. I mean, she could uh, <laughs> cook real good, though, man. <laughs> yeah, but um, we've been sort of trying to cover, you know, what, uh, you know, why, how to make relationships last, right? Being emotionally honest, talking about things, uh, you know, uh, being in an arranged marriage. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> uh, essentially, friends can also tell you, just even though we want relationships to last, we want things to be happy, friends can also tell you when to bail. Right, mm, and my friends were telling me to bail for like a year and a half. I didn't listen to them. Not that it, it, you know, not that they were necessarily correct, but yeah, you're right. And and what's crazy is how many people. Uh, we don't need to meditate meditate this on on this too long, but how many people are in relationships? And oh, I'm in love though. I'm in love, and it's like, dude, just because you're in love, uh, they treat you poorly, mm. right? Um, like, hey, they call you big nosed Indian man, and. And 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 they're just not good for you. No, and <laughs> and no, right? And uh, hey, you want to talk about something, bro? <laughs> I'm gonna be emotionally vulnerable, right now, but uh, guys, uh, you know, um, and that's love again is just not enough. Sometimes, sometimes the cards, the stars uh, mm-hmm. don't align. Sometimes your mental emotional styles are not the, are not the same. Sometimes your conflicts are uh, are too big to be worth it, right? And um, yeah, sometimes I mean it could be the timing is off. You know, you can't you dude, you can't be in the same place at the same time. There, there's a How I Met Your Mother episode where Robin is basically like, love always happens, but timing is a bitch, right? Where yeah, it, yeah timing, time, timing can yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. So, well, I'm feeling a lot of love for you boys. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I feel connected with you guys right now. I feel emotionally vulnerable. I'm pretty vulnerable. Yeah. And any any last thoughts? Um, should I, when should I plug my podcast? Don't don't you dare plug your podcast, you heathen! You already said sex talk with my mom twice. If you if you like uh, podcasts, if you like podcasts, check out Sex Talk with My Mom. It uh, we get into all relationships and uh, sex questions that you have ever had. It's my mother and I. It's fantastic. It's a truly wonderful podcast, I must say. Yeah, uh, it's a lovely podcast. Uh. And it is one of the recommendations that I can really get behind on this show because like, we have oh. people on the show and they recommend it. I mean, I recommend Thank it you. to you, recommend it to you, Monish, and we try to adopt similar format in different regards. And obviously we got to talk to Cam and Karen more and they kind of um, helped us. Uh, the big the big things that came from you, Cam, was your uh, your interview style was just wow. your, you. Your, your, yeah, it's awesome. Your schizophrenic interview style where you go all over the place. <laughs> and just talk about, talk about everything under the sun. No. Uh, but So, yeah, uh, Cam, thanks for coming on the show. You're always a wild time. Guys, uh, thank you for having me. This is I love your podcast. This is great. Anytime. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, that was a fun one. Uh, you can find more bonus material for this episode at realtalkstudio.com. 
Uh, as well as check out our really awesome email list where you can get updates and all the show notes from season one. You can't get anywhere else. Sign up. Uh, it helps us and it lets us know you care about the show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We're here to help you guys out. Um, special thanks to everyone that helped with production on this episode, including special guest Cam Poder and the rest of the guys uh, and gals. Uh, Kevin Sanji, Vishali Sandarajan, Justine Brum, and Electric Mantis. This is Real Talk. Until next time. going like this connect with me, connect <laughs> with me. they looked at me like i was fucking psychotic <laughs> and i felt so alone in the world like you could never imagine